Hi there. Hi, everyone. Um, it is really great to uh, be part of this uh, wonderful group of uh, brilliant people and thinkers. Um, so I wanted to tell something about um, my new book, Humankind, which was published a couple of months ago in the UK. It's been a really strange experience publishing a book like this during lockdown. Um, it is basically a book about what I consider to be a very dangerous idea a very subversive idea, um, which if you really think it through has quite radical implications for how we organize everything, you know, for our personal lives, but also for how we, you know, do business, how we organize our government, how we do democracy, you name it. And if I would summarize the idea in one sentence, it would be something like, deep down, most people are pretty decent. So that's it. That's sort of the whole book, uh, 500 pages in one sentence. Now, the problem is obviously is that no one believes that, or at least there are very good reasons not to believe any of that, right? I uh, remember telling a friend uh, that I was writing this book and he said, yeah, but what about sort of all of human history? How do you deal with that in the book? So I realized that, you know, there's just so much that you have to talk, talk and write and think about um, in this case. There's a really old idea in Western culture which says that our civilization is only a thin veneer, only a thin layer, and that below that, human nature, you know, real human nature is something very dark, that deep down we're all selfish or beasts or, or even monsters. Um, there's a, a primatologist, a Dutch primatologist, Frans de Waal, who calls this veneer theory. And, and veneer theory goes back, you know, a long way in, in Western, Western culture. So you already find that with uh, the Asian Greeks, for example, uh, the Greek historian Thucydides, or, uh, well, Orthodox Christianity, St. Augustine, talking about the notion that uh, we're all sinners, you know, that we're all born as sinners, uh, or read the Enlightenment philosophers. Um, read people like Thomas Hobbes or Adam Smith or David Hume or the founding fathers of the United States. John Adams once wrote an essay with the title, All Men Would Be Tyrants If They Could. Uh, or we can, you know, uh, think about evolutionary theory or we can think about, you know, modern capitalism, which, you know, for the past couple of decades, I think basically the central dogma was that people are just selfish and we just need to deal with that. So this is a very powerful idea that comes back again and again. Uh, in our culture. And in this book, I argue that it's basically wrong um, because there's really been this sort of silent revolution in science in the past 50 to 20 years is that scientists from really diverse disciplines, think about anthropologists or archaeologists or sociologists or, psych or psychologists, they've all been moving from this quite cynical view of human nature to a more hopeful view, to a more hopeful view of who we are as a species. Now, I don't have much time tonight. So I was thinking what, I, what story I really wanted to tell. And um, I think that just has to be the story of kids on an island. Because this is one of the, the interesting things that I've always experienced as an author is that you can go on for a very long time about all kinds of scientific studies and meta-analyses, et cetera, which is important to talk about. But you know, we tend to remember the stories. Now, when I started writing this book, 
I knew that there was one story, one very powerful story that I would simply have to deal with. Um, this is William Golding's novel that was published in 1954, Lord of the Flies, and that, well, probably all of us have read. Um, it's not as famous in the Netherlands, uh, where I'm from, uh, but it's still pretty famous. And obviously, especially in the UK and the US, millions and millions of kids were basically, well, forced to read it in school. Um, I remember reading it when I was 16 years old. Um, and I remember feeling quite cynical and depressed afterwards, you know? I remember thinking, hmm, well, no more Harry Potter for me. This is probably what kids really uh, are like. This is how they behave. Um, it was only while I was writing this book that I thought, hey, but has everyone, anyone ever sort of researched whether it ever really happened? You know, has there ever been a real live Lord of the Fly story? You know, a real case where kids shipwrecked on an island and, you know, basically had to work together and design their own society. So, um, well, I'm obviously a proper investigative journalist. So I started on Google. I started, uh, you know, with a search words such as uh, real uh, life Lord of the Flies, kids on an island. And after a while, I, I ended up on a very obscure blog. It didn't look very reliable. But anyway, they had the story of supposedly that kids had shipwrecked uh, near Tonga, which is an island group in the Pacific Ocean, and that they had survived on this island for 15 months by staying friends. And then I thought, hey, but this is, this is something that I need to devote more time to. So after a couple of... Uh, uh, hours, you know, I was I was searching and searching, but I couldn't, I, I really couldn't find a source to back this up because the original article said that it happened in 1977. But after after a long time, I was really lucky. This sometimes happens during researching and writing, is that I I was accidentally looking in a newspaper archive from the 60s, and then I found that it was a typo, 1977, and I found that it did actually happen in 1966. So there was this headline from the Australian newspaper, The Age that six kids had shipwrecked on an island and uh, had survived there for quite a long time. And in that article, uh, the names of the boys were included and also the name of the captain who, well, I can't really say rescued them, but let's say found them. And this captain was Peter Warner. At that point, I thought, maybe they're still alive. This happened in 1966. Um, so 50 years later, I mean, they're probably old. So the boys, boys um, must now be 70 years old uh, and the captain 90 years old. And uh, well, to make a very long story short, after a couple of months and after emailing and spamming and calling a lot, a lot, a lot of people, I um, managed to track down two of them. So I spoke to the captain, uh, Peter Warner, and I also spoke to Mano, which is one of the original Lord of the Flies kids, you know, who really survived there, Mano Tota. And just the extraordinary thing to find out was that if this would be a Hollywood movie, then people would say, well, this is, this is so unrealistic. This is worse than love, actually. This is, people, kids absolutely would not behave like this. But then, you know, it really happened. So the real life Lord of the Flies is in almost every single way, the opposite of the fictional Lord of the Flies. These kids survived by working together. So 
Peter and Mano together, they told me the story of what really happened. An interesting fact, by the way, is that they are still the best of friends today. They really consider themselves soulmates and they still regularly go out sailing uh, together. And um, they, they told me what happened 50 years ago. Uh, what happened was that these kids were part of a boarding school in Nukualofa, the capital of Tonga, and they didn't like school. They thought it was very boring uh, and they didn't like the school meals. So they said, you know what, we're going to go on an adventure. That's what they did. Um, they borrowed a boat. Then uh, when it was getting dark, they, uh, they left the, the harbor. But then already that night, they made a big mistake. So they fell asleep and ended up in a storm. Um, their boat was pretty much destroyed and they drifted for eight days without food, without water. They hadn't prepared that well. They didn't even have a compass, so they had no idea where they were going. Uh, and then on the eighth day, they were, you know, in a very bad shape, but shipwrecked on this island and then started building their small civilization. And it's just, it's just extraordinary that in almost, as I said, in almost every single way, it's, it's the opposite of the fiction of Lord of the Flies. If you've read the novel, then you remember that the fire, you know, was, a, was an issue. You know, they didn't really control the fire. And uh, at some point, half of the island burns down. But in this case, the real case, they got a fire started and, you know, let it, they kept it going for, um, for more than a year, you know, never let it go out. They worked in teams of two, two to tend to the garden, two to uh, cook and two to be in the lookout for ships. They had their own badminton court, uh, you know, to play badminton. They had their own gym to, with, with sort of curious weights that they designed by, by themselves. They made a guitar. Uh, they wrote songs. Um, you know, when Peter Warner, the captain, sort of, as I said, found them, they were in really good shape. They were very healthy and they uh, could have survived there for years and years if they wanted to. And uh, then they developed this friendship with, with Peter, the captain, that lasted for more than 50 years. So, yeah, as I said, it's a very, very wonderful story that's all about friendship and, and, and courage and what I, I would call survival of the friendliest, which is now a really important hypothesis in biology and evolutionary biology, where biologists have come to believe that actually what distinguishes us as a species it's not just that we are, can be really cruel. And I mean, that's undeniable. We are one of the cruelest species in the animal kingdom, but we're also one of the friendliest because we can cooperate on a scale that no other species can. Now, as we all know, we humans tend to become the stories that we tell ourselves. Stories are never just stories. You know, we, we sort of behave according to our stories in our culture. And I think that especially right now, you know, in 2020, in the midst of this pandemic, this very dark period, you know, if you just look at what's going on in the US, I mean, it's genuinely terrifying. Um, but this is also a moment where maybe we need new stories, different stories of how people can also work together and survive. And so um, that's one of the stories that I uh, like the most from the book and that I really love researching. It was one of the highlights of my life. Uh, they're now going to make a film out of it. And uh, the four survivors, this, there were six boys in the island, four of them are still alive. Uh, they've also reconnected. And recently I had the huge privilege to be part of a Zoom call. You know, again, the, the, the lockdown had, had already started. And um, yeah, it was uh, the four of us and, 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 and it, or the four of them and me and Peter, the captain. And uh, yeah, it was the first time they, they saw each other in a very long time. And um, that was really, uh, that was really one of the highlights of my, of my career so far. So, um, well, that's it. I guess my time is up. Thanks for your attention.
and uh, thanks for having me.